to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We're going to start reading this morning in verse number 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came before Philip, which was of Bethsaida. Didn't say chapter? Oh. Didn't say chapter number? No. Just a minute. <laughs> St. John chapter 12. Oh, Y'all we were listening better than I was giving instructions. We learned to listen from the master. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chapter 12, verse 20. I don't know why y'all weren't picking up on that. Sandy, sometimes she'll, she'll say something to me and I'll say, I think I'm getting that. <laughs> Learn to laugh at yourself. Don't be so serious. Learn to laugh at yourself. You were just seated and we'll pay attention. Thank you, Tina. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Learn to laugh at yourself. Are we there? Where are we at? Chapter 12, verse 20. Same All right. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will the Father honor. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we would know what's the hope of your calling. And what's the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? And what's the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe? According to the working of your mighty power, 
which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. And I ask that you would grant us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, so that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, I ask you for divine utterance this morning, that you would help me to communicate the heart of the Father, the heart of Jesus to us, your people. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Now, here were certain men that were curious about Jesus. And they came to somebody who knew Jesus and knew where Jesus was because they wanted to see Jesus. Now, how much do we want to see Jesus? Do we want to see Jesus as much as these men did? But it's amazing to me how when Philip and Andrew came and told Jesus, Jesus starts talking about something that in most cases probably had a good chance of going wrong over their head. Now, when you see Jesus, and you hear about Jesus, you don't want it going over your head. You want it going into your heart. Because when something gets in your heart, it can produce change. Sometimes we want to get it to stick in our head. Sometimes it goes over our head, but there's the, the place that it needs to be is in the heart. It's, kind of ironic that Jesus here, he's talking about himself and his own experience and what he's getting ready to go through. There were all different times throughout the Gospels that you'll see Jesus making this statement. It's not my time. It's not my time. Now, a lot of times we'll make statements like that, not now. I'm just not ready. Now, the difference between them and us, or between Jesus and us, is Jesus knew when his time was, and he knew when his time wasn't. A lot of times we use one other thing to dictate what's their time, or two things. One of them is, I don't want to do it, so I use this excuse, it's not my time, not now. We've all been there. And another one is, I'm scared to do it. So I use the same excuse, not now, maybe later. But Jesus here, these men wanted to see Jesus. How much do we want to see Jesus, especially in certain areas in our life? Or are we still playing that same game? Not now. And Jesus says, ain't no, ain't no time like, the, like, the, like the present. It's like, 
I was talking to a boy about, and I, I looked at him one day and I said, you need to get saved. And I ain't usually that bold. But I said, you need to get saved. And in just a few minutes, he said, oh, tell me about this being saved. He said, I do need to get saved. And I don't remember what it was getting close to. No, it was still hot. So I was telling him something because just about time he had made a decision that he wanted to, to meet Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. This girl comes into his life. And there's always things that the enemy will take and bring into our lives to try to distract us from the, what's the most important. Now, his attention had been gotten that he wanted to see Jesus. But how much do I want to see Jesus? And I told him, I, I used this as an analogy, I said, you know, Christmas is a great time to meet Jesus. I said, but Christmas Eve is even better. What comes before Christmas Eve? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is even better. What comes before Thanksgiving? Don't try to think of a holiday. The day before Thanksgiving. Pardon? The day before Thanksgiving. It keeps coming back to when is the best time to see Jesus? Today is the best time to see Jesus. To, to, if I already know him, there's things that brothers and sisters, even if you know him, that you, we don't know about him. That he wants to reveal himself to, it, to us. Now, it's kind of ironic that when Jesus starts talking about himself, he compares himself to a corn of wheat. I want to read this passage of scripture again. So I put my own. Verse number 24. Chapter 12. Chapter 12, thank you. <laughs> Very. <laughs> you know. We need to get where we ain't so stiff that we can learn to laugh. Amen. 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 We read Wednesday night that he, he who sits in the heavenlies laughs. It's not a strange thing for God to laugh. Amen. And can you imagine when God starts laughing how much the whole universe shakes with his presence and with his glory. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Oh, and I need to stop just a second because I want you to, I want you to catch this. I shared this with Sunday school, but I want to share it with us also. I just found this out yesterday. This fellow that's a neurosurgeon uh, was being interviewed. And he said if there was a, a, a truth that you could share with the people, what would, it, what would it be? He was talking about laughter. And he says that medical science has found out now that the, uh, the body produces, um, and he was talking about people that had had 
cognitive uh, issues and different things with their mind and how, you know, when something affects the mind, it can affect the body. And, and he was saying that they have found out that, that laughter produces a, a chemical in the body that starts the rejuvenating process. And it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, it, it works the same way. A lot of times people say, well, I'm just getting old. But he says it doesn't matter. The body doesn't differentiate between the two. He said, but they have found out this, that there's something that, that seems to make it work faster in children than it does in adults. And they, and they said one of the, the things about the, the study was the effect of laughter on the human body. And he said the difference between an older person and a younger person, even though the chemical can be released, is this. Children laugh approximately 300 times a day. Adults laugh approximately, on average, 20 times a week. Some of us may be above average. Some of us may be below average, but if we're below average, or even at the level that a child is, we're working things that could be detrimental to our life when God's got a way already built into the system that we could be rejuvenated. I've heard of people before that were, that were given up with cancer to die, and they got their children to take and bring movies, old movies, there to the hospital, and they just started belly rolling. <laughs> they give them days to live and they walk out of the hospital. Amen. Because they took a principle that was in the Word of God and incorporated it into their life. Amen. See, a lot of us, what we want is information to change, but we will never want to use the information once we get it, because if we think that if we got the information, it would already make the change, the knowledge. But brothers and sisters, knowledge that's not implemented just sits on a shelf that we're not really using it. Now, Jesus here has got these men that want to see him. They've asked his disciples that know where Jesus is. They tell Jesus that these men want to see him. And, when, and Jesus starts talk, just starts talking. A lot of times Jesus would answer a question with a question. It's not that he, wanted to, he didn't want to tell somebody an answer. But he wants us to receive from him. And a lot of times we think that if we can just get that information, I'll receive from him. Not. Brothers and sisters, I've, I've attained a lot of information in my life. But info, information that's not implemented into my life is just information. And God wants information to get from, from out here, or even in here, down in here. So, of course, when it gets down in here, it's, it's a game changer. Mm -hmm. It's a game changer. And for us to start seeing ourselves the way that Jesus sees us is truly a game changer.
Now this passage of scripture. 24. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, there's, there's three letters that I want you to remember today. H-L-S. Say with me. H-L-S. If we can remember those three words, I believe that this here word can have an impact on our lives. What would the H stand for? The H stands for hear. The L stands for listen. And the L, I mean the S stands for surrender. Now, I'm going to take it, I'm going to use this through the life of Jesus. Jesus, his first miracle was in Canaan and they took, he, he took and turned the water into wine. They had ran out of wine at the marriage, at the marriage feast. And it's, to do that was a total embarrassment on the family. It was a ridicule and a shame in the custom and the time that was, that was taking place. Mary, Jesus' mother, is there. Jesus is there. And Mary comes to Jesus and said, We're out of, they've ran out of wine. And Jesus looks at her like, That's not my problem. My time is not yet. I didn't come to be in the winemaking business. But there was a need. And God supernaturally meets that need through a supernatural ability that only Jesus had contact with. This is one of the things. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. This passage of scripture was at work right here just as much as it was when he spoke to the demons and the man and told them to come out. When the man had leprosy and was cleansed and healed. This same power, the same provision, this same anointing. Now he's talking about here, he, sa he says, my time hasn't come. It's not time for me to do this. And she says something to the other people that were there in faith. And she says, whatever he says, do it. Because she recognized the gift that was there. Just listen to what he says. And whatever he says, do it. Now these men wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus comes up with a phrase like this, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. Can you see them 
fellas. What's he talking about? I don't get it. I just wanted to see Jesus. Except the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die. Is this a riddle? Can I figure it out? If a seagull flies over the sea, why do you call it a seagull? Because if it flew over the bay, you would call it a bagel. Right on, right on up. Fella told me that we pull up to the gas station and a woman gets out. She starts pumping gas and she's smoking a cigarette. Two deputies pull up. While she's pumping gas, her arm catches on fire. She starts waving her arm like this. The deputies get run over to her and get the fire put out on her arm. And then they arrest her and put her in the car. This fella goes over to him, to him and says, I don't understand, you got the fire out, why are you arresting? He said, she was waving a firearm in public. <laughs> right on over the top again. Now, It'll do you good to lighten up a little bit. Sometimes we, sometimes we receive better when we're a little bit lighter. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be too stiff. We'll be too stiff, and it'll go right all over our head. Now here, these, here's these men, and they're scratching their head, and they said, "Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone." Now, in our culture and in our land that we live at, we've got wheat and we've got corn. But we ain't got corn and wheat in the same thing. But if you take and you look in the Bible to what it meant, corn meant a grain. Wheat or barley was the type of crops that they grew. Indian corn, as we know it, maize, was not indigenous to that part of the country. It wasn't a strange thing to say a grain of wheat or a corn of wheat and be absolutely correct because they knew what they were talking about in their culture. So he says, except a kernel of wheat, a grain of wheat, a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. Now, remember these three letters. H L S. They've each got a position, they've each got a protocol, and for us to get what God's got for us, it's important that we catch them. Because if we don't catch them, those things will go right on over our head, just like those two little simple jokes. And Jesus wasn't joking. He was making a point and he was saying something. And catch this about Jesus. He said, my time has come. Up until this time, he says, my time 
hasn't come, or it's not time for the Son of Man to be manifested. But now it's time for him to be manifested. Today is the day. Jesus wants to be manifested today. His time had came. But now he's talking about a farming analogy, and he's talking about his time has come. And if we're not careful, it'll do the same thing. It'll go right on over our heads, and we won't even catch what he was saying. And, but he's got, a, he's got a life application here. And every parable and every truth that he spoke like, there was, a, there was a natural story that you could get a hold of, but there was also a spiritual side that was behind it. Good if you got the natural part. Great if you got the spiritual part. But we don't want to let these things go over our head. We want them to get down into our heart. Now, why would I use three letters for us to grasp what he's saying to us here in this example? Jesus says now, my time has come. Up until then, he said, my time hasn't come. See, he knew from the very beginning that he had a purpose, that he had a destiny that had to be fulfilled. It was prophesied all the way back in the Garden of Eden. When God spoke to Satan and he said, there's one coming. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. In the process. Can you imagine Satan grabbing on his head right then? Who wants their head crushed? Nobody in their right mind. But he was looking for somebody because he knew that God meant business with what he said. But my time hasn't come. Now Jesus says my time has come. I came for this purpose. For this time, for this to be fulfilled. And now he says, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. So for him to fulfill the fullness of his purpose, he had to embrace what his purpose was. He had to embrace why he came. Nobody likes when it comes to die in any shape, form, or fashion. There's something in us that wants to live. God put that in us. But I want you to catch what Jesus is saying here when he's talking about this, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die. He's talking about himself. He's talking about his very life. Now I want to throw one out. For us, what's he talking about? To start with, he's talking about our life. That we don't know Jesus. And except we're willing to accept him and die to ourselves, we abide alone. But if we allow him to come in, Newness of life can come up out of that. We think sometimes, well, if I give my heart to Jesus, it'll just be all over. 
I want to present it in a totally different picture. You present your life to Jesus and your life has just begun. There is a part that's over, but there's also a part that has just begun that you will never see, never experience, never have a clue about until you make that transition. But is that the only time that this takes place? Because I believe there's things that God has called in us. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, I think it's time. These people wanted to see Jesus, show us Jesus. And there's things that God has placed in your heart. There's things that God has placed in your life that we will never see. We will never walk in and never experience, even though it's the plan and the purpose of God for us to walk in. Because we're not willing to die to ourselves, to our own ambition, our own dream, or our own fear that I can't do this. But the miracle of the seed is what Jesus is talking about. And nobody never sees the miracle of the seed while the seed is still in the back. You only see the miracle of the seed when the seed is planted in the soil. When the soil here was the purpose that Jesus came. And when Jesus surrendered, that's what that S word is for. Surrender. A lot of times we think in our culture, it's service. If I can just do this, this is something I've got to do. Where there, there might be, see, penitentiaries, jails, and all are full of people that's been incarcerated and people in our culture are trying to rehabilitate. See, if I can teach them something, I can change their goal and all. But if you don't change a man's heart, if you don't change a woman's heart, you have just, you might have given them another skill, but as soon as the door opens up, they're right back in that same thing over and over again. But until they surrender, once the surrender is made, then you can take and teach that person a skill. And it can truly have an effect. What good is it to have all of, the, all of the, the learning and the knowledge of how to do this if I'm still stuck right here in this place? And Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. Brothers and sisters, and I heard this statement, the... Uh, the greatest place where gifts are at is in the cemetery. Because there's people that's had dreams, visions, goals, desires, and never acted on them. Because they thought their time had never came. And they go to the grave with that same gift inside of them that they never shared because I can't. I want to see Jesus. And I want to see Jesus glorified in my life and I want to see Jesus glorified in your life. Because I believe there's treasures and abilities that God and purposes that God has placed in every one of us. And Jesus now was coming to the point 
that it was time for him to be planted. Are we willing to be planted into God's purpose for our life? If not, the treasure, the gift, abideth alone. We might have benefited just a little bit from it. But we never see the fullness of it until we've been planted so that it can have an effect on somebody else. See, that treasure that God's placed inside of you is not just for you. It's for somebody else. It's for God to be able to use for his purpose. Jesus recognized this. This is why he said when he was in Gethsemane, because he knew what was getting ready to come down. He knew about the beating that was going to take place. He knew about the nails that were going to be driven in his hand. He knew about the, the uh, spear in his side. He knew about the humiliation and shame, shame that was getting ready to come down. And he said, Father, if there's any way for this to be done except this way, let this cup pass from me. And then he makes a request, one that many times the church takes out of place and we put it in places that it doesn't need to be. Not, he says this, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, what do I mean by that statement? Sometimes we take it and put it out of place. See, God, God in his word has already given us a lot of green lights for what his will is. And if he's already given us a green light for what his will is, then it takes faith to go through that intersection instead of, instead of staying stuck on the other side and thinking it's a red light when it's really a green light. Because if his word said it's a green light, it's a green light. If his word said it's a red light, it's a red light. And we need to be students of his word and what he says and we need to move in accordance with him but Jesus knew that this was a green light for him but even though it was a green light it was a hard light to go through he knew what was going to happen he knew it before he knew it when he said when he was given this here scripture when he was given this analogy he knew what was getting ready to come down and he's talking about his own life. There's been people that have been called to the mission field that were scared to go or made a choice not to go. Things didn't work out well in their life because they, they stayed in where they thought the will of God was, but they were really out of the will of God. See, because in the will of God, there's a provision that's there. And Jesus would have never experienced it if he hadn't followed through with what, what, what he was designed and the purpose for which he came. And I want to say this for us. We will never be fulfilled and we will never experience the greatness of God. Even though it feels good, you can have all of the goosebumps that you want on you. But until we're in the plan and the purpose and the design that God has for our life, there's something that's always lacking. Mm -hmm. 
in us that God wants to be fulfilled. We want it to be fulfilled. So there's three letters that are here that have something to do with that. The first letter is the letter H. And that letter represents hearing. Because faith to do anything comes by here comes from hearing what God says. And you say, well, I know that. I heard what God said. Now, how about the second letter, L? Listen. Just because you heard something is no sign that you listen. Sometimes you can be in a conversation. It can be between you and Ruth. And y'all can be right across from each other. And you could be telling him and giving him a piece of your mind, or vice versa, that he could be giving you a piece of his mind, or not even in that tone, but you're saying something. And just through the body language, you know they heard you, but they didn't hear a word you said. You ever been there? Are you listening to me? Huh? Ever, have, have you ever been there? I dare say this, we've all been there. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we have all been there. I heard what you said. Are you listening to me? Oh, yes, I'm listening. But there's no change that's ever been implemented. I heard what you said. I listened to what you said. But it didn't produce a corresponding action. Now, this is speaking to something that's a whole lot bigger than your relationship with your spouse, even though that's big. This is talking about our relationship and our walk with God. Because every one of us are here not by accident but on purpose. Your mom and daddy might have said, you were an accident. God will never say to you, you were an accident because you're here for a purpose, on purpose. And there's something that God's got for us to do that nobody else can do. Out of all of the people on the planet, nobody else can do this. And I was, listening to a, a preacher and he was talking along these lines and he said that he was obedient to what God had said and he was feeling all so good about himself patting his back on it patting himself on the back because of his obedience and why he was so puffed up like the spirit of God spoke to him and said you weren't my first choice God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for your life. But if he can't get us to step into our place and into our purpose, he will raise somebody else up. We will miss out. And we will suffer loss. 
But that's not the will of God. The will of God is for us to get in our place. Fulfill, fulfill the call of God that he's placed on our life. To walk in it. But before I can do any of it, I've got to hear what he has to say. And then there's a step further that I've got to listen to what he has to say. But I think the other one is the probably one of the biggest. I've got to surrender to what he has to say. Well, I'm, I give you my own thing. I felt led, and I knew it was the will of God for me to go to Bible school. So I went to Bible school. My last report card that I got was a 4.0 while I was there at Bible school. I applied myself because I didn't go out there to miss it. I went out there to get it. And I plugged in to the areas that I was supposed to be plugged into. And thought when I graduated, everything was going to be great and good. And I was just going to walk in the plan of God. And then in just a few years here, I was separated and divorced. And you're talking about a person with a crushed life. You're looking at one. Even though I was walking in the plan of God, I was facing something that I didn't want to face. And I had came up to this place in my mind. I'm never going to stop going to church. I'm never going to stop serving God. Because that's a must in my life. I had came to the place that I was just like the disciples. And Jesus looked at them and he said, are you going to leave too? And they looked back at him and said, where do we want to go? You've got the words of eternal life. At least they had enough sense about them to realize that one thing right there. And I made a quality decision. I would not walk out on God. Even though I felt like life had walked out on me. And I decided that I would settle. And I would be a good church member. I would teach Sunday school. I would even be an elder in the church. Nothing wrong with any of those things, brothers and sisters. But my calling on my life was different than that. Your calling on your life is different than just sitting on the church pew. There's things that God wants us to do. That's a must that we do. Now, the question is, am I willing to surrender to this call of God? That's a big one. See, we don't need to be rehabilitated. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. The heart has changed. If the heart hasn't changed, we need to get born again. But Jesus here, these men wanted to see Jesus, and Jesus starts saying this. Now, when it comes out, it said, I don't know if I wanted to see all, all of this. This may be more than I was asking for. I just, you know, when I said this, I, all I wanted to do was see Jesus. I wanted to see what he looked like. 
I wanted to see what that what that robe or whatever he was wearing looked like. I want to see what his beard looked like. What is, a lot of people want to ask questions about people that have seen Jesus. What did he look like? They care much more about what he looks like than really his character. What he's got to say. I don't care what he had to say. I just want to know what he looked like. See, when you care about Jesus, not only do you want to know what he looks like, you want to know everything about him. And Jesus says about his own life, he says, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. And I still, even though I, I hurt and I had settled that this is what I was going to do, God brings this woman across my life. And she encourages me. You need to get your license back. See, I had license, was ordained, been through all of that program. And when I went through the separation and divorce, I decided that I decided catch this, I decided that I would just make it easy on myself. And this is what I would do. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of these I have decided in our lives. Instead of what God has decided and I'll walk in it. But she encouraged me because I had put my license on an inactive status. And it didn't really matter to me if I preached or not. But it mattered to the one who called. See, it might not have mattered to me, but it mattered to the one who called. You got one calling you. I'm not saying you're supposed to be right here in this position. But there's a call of God on your life. Show us Jesus. And Jesus starts saying, oh, except the corn of wheat fall to the ground. Can you imagine? What in the world is that man talking about? That man is talking crazy stuff. Catch these letters. H L S. I'm going to hear. I'm going to listen. And if I want my life to be complete, I'm going to have to surrender <coughs> to what he's saying. If I don't surrender, I've accepted Jesus maybe as Savior, but I've never accepted him as Lord. Because when I accept him as Lord, it changes the whole thing. It's not anymore what I want, but what he wants. It's not anymore what I see, it's what he sees. I'm challenged with this thought for myself. When God looks at us on that great day and he says, come in, well done thy good and faithful servant. He's not going to look at, look at all of these things that I've done. I'm challenged with this one. 
did I fulfill the call that he had on my life? If I didn't fulfill the call that he had on my life, I don't care how good it is, I missed, I missed what I was supposed to do, what I was supposed to do. I never stepped in, and brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people that never step into their calling, that never step into their place. Jesus was willing to go to the cross. He knew what was entailed in all of that. But he also recognized this. If I don't go, they can't come. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. Jesus made, it a, made a way so that we could come into the presence of God. Jesus made a way for the Holy Spirit to be able to be sent to the earth. His obedience opened up a whole avenue for us to have fellowship with the Father that was impossible to have beforehand. Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. Brothers and sisters, I challenge you with this. You don't know how many people are waiting on you. You don't know how many people that God has already has in the plan that are waiting for us, for you, to step in to that place. The question is, many of us has heard. Many of us has even listened. But ain't many of us surrendered. And you can't guilt yourself there. You can't shame yourself there. The only way you can get there is to surrender yourself there. Well, that's challenging. But the Spirit of God is always calling us up. He's always calling us higher. He sees more in us than we see in ourselves. See, with God, it's like this. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees what we're at. Oh, I don't qualify. Don't settle in that I don't qualify. God sees something and he says, this is where I'm moving you to. I'm, if you'll get on the page with me, I will get you to this point here. And you know what? The thing of it is with the things of God, it's impossible for you to get there yourself. It's a God thing. If you think you're going to get good enough to get there, you'll never get there. The enemy plays that game. If I can just do this, then this, no, it don't work like that. It works through hearing what he says, listening to what he has to say, and then surrendering to what he says. And the miracle is inside of the seed. The miracle is inside of the life of God that is planted inside of us. And you'll look back over the course of your life and you will be totally amazed at what the Lord did with your life.
That's powerful. That's powerful. But I'm going to tell you, God is for you, not against you. He's got so many things that's so wonderful that he walks in. But don't sell. Don't sell until you're in the place that God has for you. Praise God. We need to sell. singing while they're preparing to sing I want you to I want you to think about this I want you to stand and sing but if the Lord is speaking to your heart don't stay where you're at move let your movement be an act of faith I'm running after you Lord I'm running after you I'm, I, I've got to get Jesus I've got to see Jesus not only do I want to look at him, I want to experience his person. I want to, I, I want to fulfill that call. And I'm, the only way I can do it is surrender to him. I've got to surrender to him. Quit fighting against him. We do that. That's human nature. We do that. Quit fighting against him and let him do what only he can do. The miracle is in the seed. The, the miracle is in the surrender. Jesus had to surrender. He said, before, it's not my time. Jesus says today, and I believe the Holy Spirit saying, now is your time. Hallelujah. Let the presence of God minister to you. Yield to Him. Hallelujah. Stand up because we're going to be saved. If the Lord is speaking to your heart, let it be an act of faith and move. And let's move toward Jesus.
all my life you have been faithful. You've been a lot more faithful than I have. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me where I've missed it. But today, 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 I hear. I'm listening. And I surrender to you. Take my life, Jesus. Do something with me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.